welcome to the Unapologetic Connections podcast. We are spicing things up, having no podcast hosts, no scripts, and bearing it all completely unedited. We are a group of entrepreneurial women who believe in true, deep, unapologetic stories. Because life isn't always Instagram worthy. Life is messy, unpredictable, and can rock you to the core. It's time to unmask and show all aspects of ourselves unapologetically. Let's come together, rock this thing called life, and support the heck out of each other. Because ain't nobody got time for the mask of judgment. Get ready to connect, share, and feel the unedited love of unapologetic connections. Welcome back, Connections. I am Anna Mullins, and I am the owner of the Unapologetically Her Show and the Unapologetic Connections Agency, which is uh, why we're all here. And I am so excited to be introducing a topic this week. Uh, Our episode, again, brought to you by Nude Vodka Soda, our yummy, yummy sponsor. Um, I am bringing to the table the topic about boundaries, and it's a big topic, and I am both excited and kind of nervous to be talking about it because I think it affects so many people and particularly women. And what I wanted to start by doing is first identifying um, what personal boundaries are. So to start off this discussion, I am joined today, maybe just have a little hi and hello, ladies. I'm joined by Ashley McIver, health coach. Hello. Catherine Buchanan, or Kathy Buchanan. Hello. Uh, Melanie Dawn, Bliss Coaching. Hi. And Haley Lowen, Innovative Coach. Thank you for being here, ladies. Um, So let's identify what personal boundaries are and what they really look like so that we first have a foundation for determining when they've been crossed or uh, when your stores have been depleted. And I'll make sense of that comment in just a quick sec. But I am a very visual person, as most of you know, so I want to first have everybody out there listening and you ladies around the table with me here today, just create a little bit of a visual about boundaries. So if you're listening somewhere other than your car, if you have a moment to actually tangibly work on a small drawing or a small craft project, then feel free to kind of play along as well with us right now, or maybe listen back later uh, if boundaries is something that you really struggle with. So I want you to first imagine a small container with a lock and a key. So we're going to actually call this your boundaries container. So it doesn't matter what that container looks like. It could be round. It could be square. Uh, It doesn't have to be super small. It could be medium size, something that you can carry around easily. And just imagine that your boundaries container is locked and that you are in control of the key. So that key can live on a necklace around your neck, it can be on a bracelet, it can be in your pocket, but you are in control of the key. And inside your boundaries container, uh, I want you to either write on, or at least visualize that you're writing on a bunch of really small note cards right now. Anything that brings you peace, harmony, and happiness, both in your personal life or at work, professionally, Peace, harmony, and happiness. So I'm going to give you some examples here because I think that might be helpful. Um, But things that I would write on my note cards that would live in my boundaries container for peace and harmony would be something like alone time. I need alone time at least an hour every single day to really kind of 
insulate and be with myself and with my soul and really check in with my body and with my mind. So alone time is on one of my cards. I also like to place on one of these cards a comfortable, and that's up for debate per person, but a comfortable balance in my checking and savings accounts, a nice little nest egg that I know if something were to go wrong, there's there's money in one of my accounts. So that's a, a super physical and specific example. If you have a specific number, that's also welcome on your card. Uh, I have daily meditation and movement. So even if it's just a walk, I want my body to move at least once every day. So that's on my card as well. Uh, a cozy, quiet home. That's a card that I've added to my own uh, boundaries container, my peace and harmony and happiness. A fridge with healthy food options in it. And I'm going to add social time with my girlfriends as well, at least once a week. I really need that girlfriend time. So um, I've got plenty, plenty more. But just an example of what those peace, harmony and happiness cards can really look like uh, that live inside your boundary container. So now imagine that your container has three compartments in it. Compartment one is these peace needs, we'll call them, or the harmony needs, what brings you happiness, all those physical things that we mentioned earlier, the comforts of life, the things that you need in order to stay peaceful and harmonized and happy, and maybe balanced, whatever word you want to plug in there. Compartment two, I'm going to call your core emotional needs. So the need to feel appreciated, uh, feel accepted, feel heard or acknowledged, um, be given affection. Those are our core emotional needs and they can live in compartment two. And then compartment three is a really important one. I call this your service needs. So this is purely a heart-centered space. And I always say, let's just place for everybody, say five cards in there as well. So everyone has a need for service and an output of uh, philanthropic work or volunteerism time in the community and you can write whatever amount of time you want to on those cards so maybe it's you know five hours a month maybe it's two minutes a day just um, passing on a smile to somebody whatever that looks like for you but you have five cards in your service needs as well uh, anything that you are expecting nothing in return for no monetary gain no expectation to fulfill either a comfort need or an emotional need so does that kind of make sense? Are we there? Mm -hmm. Can we get the visualization? Mm -hmm. Good. Okay. Thanks for playing along, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> um, and hopefully out there listening, you kind of have a visual of this container. And the reason I want to start with this visual, A, I'm a visual person, but I also think that boundaries are often misunderstood. And I want us to start actually thinking about every single relationship with another human being as an exchange of needs inside our containers because that's truly what relationships are. You choose a friend because you need to be acknowledged or accepted. You get time spent for socializing, which makes you happy. And then the friend gets a certain amount of her needs met as well. Okay, that's maybe a friendship or a relationship. Um, I kind of want to say that every interaction is like a proverbial opening of the container. So I take my key, I reach in, I give you something, time, money, labor, whatever that might be. And in return, you use your key to open your container and you give me back pieces of time and money or labor, anything I perceive to be filling my needs in return. And in a healthy exchange or relationship, we create a really beautiful kind of energy bartering system where we are circularly giving and receiving from one another. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm not too crazy and abstract right now. <laughs> <laughs> you might be, but that's fine. <laughs> With my compartments and containers. <laughs> 
but you might give something different to me than I give to you. So this is really a key point as well. This would be true in, say, a working relationship, for example, where an employee might give time or energy or ideas or labor and the employer gives money in exchange. But for the most part, over time, the amount of cards being passed back and forth feels relatively equal. That's at least the goal of an equal relationship. So at times, of course, we give more than the other person or organization physically is giving us back. And in return, uh, maybe we're gifted with emotional needs. We feel acknowledged, appreciated, or accepted. There, there is this constant trading off of the cards. And it happens in absolutely every interaction you have with somebody. True? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so boundaries, by definition, are really just the behavioral mechanism by which these exchanges are being managed by each party. So my behavior of opening my container and accessing my needs versus you accessing what you have to give. Okay, so we're going to talk about some of those behaviors later. Um, But when you start to see relationships in this way, it becomes really easy to recognize when your boundaries are being crossed. Right, so I'm going to implore you to start thinking of this not as boundaries being blurred or boundary crossing, but really as a needs depletion. Because truly, what is really happening, if someone, let's use a simple example here, um, is taking too much or you are allowing them to take too much, what's happening is your needs are being depleted. So for example, let's say you invite a friend over one Sunday afternoon and she spends a few hours with you and then goes home. And then next Sunday... She comes over again, but this time she doesn't give you any warning and she's just there. And then next Sunday, they're over again, but this time they just knocked on the door and surprised you and spent three hours with you and took up your entire Sunday evening. And week over week, they just begin to infringe upon your personal time, which for me is one of my cards. Is that alone time each week and each day to really rejuvenate and maybe meditate or do any of the things, my physical needs that are in my container um, in order to seek peace and harmony in my life. So when I start to notice, this is the first step in recognizing that, when I start to notice my boundaries been crossed, it's because I feel not at ease. I feel my life is not peaceful because I'm not, my needs are no longer being met. I'm missing something in that relationship. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you feel that your peace of mind has kind of shifted, that's kind of clue number one. And I know we've all been there, right? Like mm-hmm. when it's just that first inkling that maybe the boundaries are being infringed upon yeah Mm -hmm. yeah give me an example somebody give me an example of like just an early stage when my peace of mind starts to shift I get my spidey senses up like I feel that my needs are being depleted and I'm maybe just starting to witness that I think I've had this situation come up in the workplace before when you're giving and giving and giving and giving and giving and the more you give the more that's expected but you're not getting anything in return. So I've had to really recognize where to create my boundaries to not get into the feelings of being, in a sense, taken advantage of, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you for sharing that, Mel. Mm-hmm. Ashley, do you have mm-hmm. anything coming to mind? Not so much the workplace, but I think about past relationships with friends. Mm-hmm. And it was hard to have, I str- always struggled with boundaries. That was a really big thing for me because being a people pleaser, boundaries are a big It's hard to have boundaries when you're a people pleaser. So as I stopped being so much of one and started to have more boundaries set up in place with friends I thought that were taking advantage, those friendships ended. Mm -hmm. A few of them. Mm -hmm. A few of them. Not all of them. Mm -hmm. When I started stepping up and showing up 
and setting those boundaries and saying, hey, no, this, this isn't right. Those friendships came to an end. Was that their decision or yours? Do you find that it was like they were, you know, they just were only there because you were giving? Theirs. It was their decision. So interesting. So when I spoke out, they cut it off and said, no, no. Like, what good are you to me if you're not giving me all of this stuff you used to give me? Yes, and maybe the fact that I had just spoken up finally. Oh, okay. They weren't sure how to handle that as much, I think. Mm-hmm. So I think when I became stronger with my boundaries and what I had to say, that's when some friendships just ended. I'm curious, how yes. did you feel after that? I'm sure we'll touch back on this a little bit later when we talk about kind of moving through the boundaries process, but how did it make you feel when they left? Because there's a sense of me that is thinking maybe there was like, go ash like I didn't need you anyway and I'm getting some clarity about who you really are um, but maybe there's pain in that as well for the I think for the first year I think when you lose a really good friend it's like a breakup so they're you know because it's it well it is really so there was sadness for the first little while but now there is clarity and I did the right thing and I'm at complete peace with it and I'm okay oh I love that actually I love that so and now I have you wonderful women. Givers and takers. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That makes me think of remember when I was home with my kids when they were little and I moved to California and I had met some new people down there. And just having people when you're kind of stuck at home with your toddlers, people coming into your life and they're bringing coffee and they're hanging out, kind of like you're just saying, they start coming over more and more and more. And initially so appreciating that oh my god thank god you're coming to my house you're seeing that I need to put my kid for a nap you'll stay here you'll hang out but then realizing after like yeah four or five six months maybe even that long like oh my god we never go home like just (laughs) yeah yeah but enjoying like that they want to come see you but just but now that you've sort of set this tone okay so I make presumptions about them they presume things about me and so how do you then navigate that without okay that's such a great question actually I'm gonna kind of like I'm gonna take this back and maybe I'm gonna pop the question back to you as well let's use the example of the cards in the containers so at first that relationship was a I guess relatively equal exchange of her time for your need which was company or what have you and then at some point would you then say your need for company and whatever that was was kind of filled at which point she was no longer needed. So I'm trying to... Probably that. And maybe also, if I think back to a particular person, it might have been the conversation. It Mm. was... I think it was maybe the conversation was more about all of the other person's problems all of the time. And not really sort of a a sharing. And initially, it became bonding because you were sharing personal things. But then it got to what you've called before as the oversharing, I think. And just where you're just like, oh my gosh, what do I even do with this anymore? So, okay, okay. Yeah. That uh, Thank you for clarifying that. Okay, so let's, just for our listeners, I want to shrink this down to like the back to the card example as well so that we can keep it really tangible. So what I'm hearing is that she was first providing company, but then when you started to provide advice or wisdom kind of back or a listening ear, yeah. there was almost too much taking of the listening happening or taking of your time most likely because I emotional. do like to give advice in my opinion <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so for so a yes. while probably that was filling you up and then it extends to a point at which you feel that she's getting all the cards and you're depleted yes of course yeah okay 100 percent. okay hmm. 
Yeah, I like that. Thank you for that example. Mm-hmm. I think that's really um, probably common, especially in our world. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting around with four other coaches who provide wisdom and advice on a regular basis. But um, I wonder, do you girls ever feel that you are too fluidly passing your advice cards around? Your wisdom, your intelligence, your ideas and thoughts. Yes. <laughs> Haley's looking <laughs> potentially guilty over in the corner. I do. I, do. I am Tell guilty. You always hear that you want to offer value. And obviously you want to do that because you're a coach, right? You want to help people. That's your, I mean, that's my focus. So it's difficult when you're wanting that so badly to help people and you offer so much free service that you don't even realize that, oh my gosh, I'm actually shooting myself in the foot because now I'm giving away all this stuff and my energy is depleted and I don't want to really do it anymore because of that, mm-hmm. right? That I love having that exchange where you're, you're with a private client and you're having that one-on-one interaction where um, they have really invested in themselves there's just way more to that interaction. You get way more from it. So it was, it's really me creating that boundary saying, okay, well, this is the free content that I want to, to give and limiting it so that I'm not burnt out and then offering value, even more value to the people who are actually investing in themselves. Mm. I love that. Yeah, that's big. What I see, again, me and my weird visual containers here, I see that you have these like five cards that's service oriented. Mm-hmm. And I do want to provide some stuff that's not compensated and that it is just heart centered. And I want to put that value out into the world for my listeners or for my audience. But basically you run out of those five cards. Yeah. And if we're not filling you back up in other areas, you can't then go and replenish those cards either. There's nothing left. Mm-hmm. All of us, I know we put a lot of effort into educating ourselves around how to help our clients and mm-hmm. what, what we do. Like we are truly experts at what we do because we take the time in order to educate ourselves to to be that way, mm-hmm. right? Because we want the most from our clients. And so when we are offering a bunch of uh, free services and you're not getting that you know, exchange or anything in return for it, it's just, it, it, I don't know, I, I get to this place of like burnout and I get um, almost uh, resentful. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Cause your yeah. container is empty. Yeah. And remember that our container too has emotional needs in there, like being appreciated mm-hmm. and being acknowledged and being seen and heard and validated. But it also has our physical needs like actual money. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I'm saying that kind of lightly and, and with jokingly, but um I think money is some a place where particularly I think parents with adult children or grown children do struggle with even money as a boundary. How much do mm-hmm. I give? How much do I share? How much is mine? How much is theirs? Mm-hmm. So, um, but this happens in working relationships as well and contractual relationships with clients and um, people that they're hiring. Um, maybe coaches could be anything really is at some point or another, we're not getting any cards back or we're not getting enough to be compensated for what we're pushing out, mm-hmm. which is all of, you know, our service cards, all of our emotional need cards, all of our, maybe even the other physical cards like time mm-hmm. and yeah. labor. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I just closed a group, for example. I, I had like... A Facebook group? Yeah, a Facebook group. I think it had like 400 people in it. And I would go live on it three days a week or more to do free card pulls for people. Mm-hmm. You guys were in this group. I feel like I'm pretty good at card pulling. I give Absolutely. offer a lot of value on that. You do. Great. Yeah. However, I wasn't getting the calls from people wanting private cards because I was always giving them the freebies. So then I ended up leaving it all together, closing the group because I just didn't want that anymore for myself. So I created a boundary. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to notice like when my energy is just depleted, Depleted. I need to make a boundary. I love that. Love it. Mm -hmm. What's your boundary and the boundary for your clients? Because I know in my experience too, when someone pays for a service, if it's exchanged with someone, that's a bit different. But if someone's paying you instead of coming for free, they're also putting more effort in. They may ask you more questions. They may, they want more from you as the coach. So they're willing to ask for more. So it it benefits both people, not just, yeah, for sure. 100%. People show up at 100% when there's that, whether it's financial exchange or like you said, trading of services. Yeah. People... People become accountable, I think, when there is some sort of exchange mm-hmm. that happens. Yeah. There's an investment. Yeah. You're making an investment. Yeah. Like, you are setting a boundary as well, right? Like, you are saying, I want to invest in myself. hmm You know, I'm worth it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, not a boundary, but a worthy piece, but maybe, Anna, you can speak <laughs> on that. <laughs> both, both. Yeah, I think we're talking to, um, I mean, this could, could lend itself to a whole other topic as well around clients investing in themselves and how much time we're putting out. But in the scope of the boundaries conversation, what I hear is that, in fact, you know what, I'm going to jump around a little bit here. I'm going to get into our kind of next piece of this conversation, which I think is really important. And this might speak to this topic. Uh, I want to talk about the key concepts. And then we will dig on kind of tangible examples of how to actually deal with this boundary thing, how to actually fix it. Because that's what our listeners, I'm sure, want to know is how do we actually get past it and fix it and do exactly what you did in your group and make that clear delineation. So let me start with this. Here is the concepts. Write them down if you're out there and you can, if you're not driving. And here kind of in our little studio, let's just kind of like, you know, shake your head if it's a no for you, but, (laughs) or if you agree. (laughs) Firstly, this is the first key concept here with boundaries and it's the biggest and most important. You have to, have to, have to fundamentally understand that you always hold the key. Mm -hmm. Always. And if you have somehow managed to give the entire key and the necklace and the bracelet and your pocket and your jeans and the entire container (laughs) away to somebody, um, you are still in control because you can change the lock and you can reverse the set of actions. You can get your key back. And if all else fails, you get a new container and a new key and you start the whole bloody thing over Mm. again. But you have to understand that you are in control of that. Your needs are within your control. Your needs are your responsibility. Whatever the case may be, they are your responsibility. It is your choice whether or not to give them away. This is a hard concept for people. So for some people, this is a very easy concept. For other people, this really is a struggle, particularly people pleasers or recovering people pleasers. Um, you are in control. It is your responsibility. When you open the box or container, when you use that key, which card you pull to use a a Haley term, which card to pull and which cards to give away. That's it. It's your choice, your responsibility. You're hundred percent responsible for it. So 
second key concept here, which builds on this, we need to trust, this is a big one, that everyone else has the same degree of responsibility. And enabling people is effectively saying to that person, I do not trust you. Let me try and explain this because <laughs> I've, I've silenced the room here. We are telling somebody we don't trust them. What does that mean? Codependency. It is a hard cycle to break, but continually crippling someone else's ability to seek and find their own resilience is not only heartbreaking, it is untrusting of their capabilities. We do it. People pleasers do it because we think that we're helping. And I do want to clarify as part of this conversation that I'm not referring to people that are legal dependents. People like children are dependent on you for a certain reason. But for example, maybe adult children who are healthy and well, and we are not extending to them the trust and understanding um, to actually shape their resilience. That's what we're talking about here when I talk about codependency. So I just want that to be really, really clear. And um, I kind of want to bring you in, Ashley, if you don't mind, on the conversation around codependency, because I know this is one of uh, the topics that you speak to so beautifully. But just talk to me in general about codependency before we move on to uh, the third key concept. So I think when you say codependency, I often think we get into a habit or almost an addiction in a way of taking care of somebody that is unwell mm. and enabling their unhealthy needs or their unhealthy wants, whatever that may be. I think in the past, now we're going back quite a few years here, I'm 39 now, so in my 20s, I remember being in a relationship where it was unhealthy. Um, I would almost want to say toxic in a way. Mm -hmm. And you get into this situation and addiction where you are both feeding each other. So mm. I am taking care of this other person and they are unwell and it just becomes a cycle and you lose yourself in that cycle. What are they providing you? So if I, if I take it back to the like passing back of cards, mm -hmm. I'm curious with the codependent relationship and I actually, um, I, I will just say this outright. I'm not an expert on codependent relationships. So I really do lean on people like you who have um, experience with that. What is the card? So when you say we're, you're relying on each other and you're getting these things in return is the giver is the enabler giving all their say time and money and attention, etc. Is the enabled person, are they, or the boundary crosser, are they actually handing cards back or is the enabler perceiving that they are getting fed attention or appreciation or they feel better about themselves because of their own need to please? Right. The latter. Okay. Yes. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that. Yes. So you're really getting nothing back in return. Okay. It's, okay. it's Good. very, it's an unhealthy dynamic. Um, it's not until you learn that you have to set those boundaries. You have to stop this behavior and you need to step up and say, no, this isn't okay. This isn't healthy. This isn't what healthy looks like. Mm. But for some reason at the time, you're getting something out of it because you're taking care of something that needs it and it's making you feel better about who you are at that time. When you can just be okay, okay. with feeling better about who you are without any of that, that's when you're okay. And that took okay. a long time to get there. 
Oh, I'm so glad I threw this over to Ash because it actually is literally tip number one and two kind of combined together here, which is A, you're responsible for the key from locking your own container and giving away. You're responsible for that. But also B, that there is a sense that the other person is responsible as well. So we have to lend trust to them instead of, uh, and I want to throw this term around kind of loosely and carefully, but that the enabler has a almost selfish need that they're filling mm-hmm that they're kind of using their key and opening their container in order to feel like they're potentially helping in order to, I guess, fill up their little emotional compartment and feeling maybe that there's some, I don't know what the fill in the blank there, whatever that is, that need to feel loved. What is that? I don't know if it's loved. I almost think it becomes like a habit. Like I said, like its own addiction. Okay, fair. Yeah. I think, I think that's what happens. I love this. I actually am kind of loving... I know listening out there, you can't see what's happening here, but we really do have incredibly kind of pensive faces Mm -hmm. on right now and are digesting this information kind of like a really interesting way right now. Do you feel like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you'll hear when there is a codependent relationship going on, you need to recover from that. Just like somebody would have to recover from say alcohol or drug addiction or what have you, that in itself is an addiction. Okay. So People become people of recovery from being codependent. Yeah, absolutely true. And that is freeing. So would it be fair? Sorry, Ash, I just cut you off there. Would it be fair to say then that it is important to make sure you know why you are allowing your needs to be depleted? Absolutely. To really check inwardly, check in with yourself and say, what is this doing for me? Because human, we know that humans don't act in any way that doesn't benefit them, period, ever. Right. So even giving can feel like you're getting filled up in some way for doing that. So there, I think this is a really good place to kind of pause and have some introspection, maybe as you're listening or later, just to think about why am I allowing my needs to be depleted? Why am I allowing my container to run dry? And I know the classic term is like, you can't um, pour from an empty cup. Did I get that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you can't give from an empty container either because once somebody starts reaching their hand Mm -hmm. inside your container, that's your boundaries being crossed. Right. And that's, I guess that's what we're talking about. So maybe let me throw out the kind of third thing I wanted to say here, which I think is really key, which is that I really want when people, as we have this relationship, right? It's like giving and taking, giving and taking. That's what relationships are. So as the giver, so as the person who is actually thinking about what am I willing to give here? What am I willing to open my container for? And what am I willing to give back? It's important to evaluate what the ask is first. So why do I say that? Because I think based on personal experience that often the asker will bait you with a statement. So they haven't actually asked for anything, but because we're probably in this habitual relationship where we're just kind of giving, 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 and it starts to fill us back up and it becomes this kind of addictive nature. When we hear somebody say, let's go back to the example of the woman who comes over every Sunday. If she says to you, I'm lonely on Sundays, your natural reaction is to say, come over. Or I will come to you or I will all of a sudden deplete my need for alone time or my need to have that recoup time on Sunday evening. But simply because she just said I'm lonely on Sundays. So what are we making that mean? What are you out there making those particular statements mean? So if somebody says, 
I am hungry, are you making that mean that they are asking you mm-hmm. to feed them personally? Mm-hmm. Or for you to fill that need? What are you making the statement mean? Ask yourself, did I actually hear a real question in there? Or did I make it a question? Yeah, this might go back to being more introspective about why we're doing what we're doing and what why we're allowing what we're allowing. But instead of, as an example, um, I'm lonely on Sundays, instead of saying, come over, Susan, or whoever. <laughs> I don't know why I said Susan there. Sorry for Susan's listening. That was super random. Um, maybe just say, okay, I understand that you are feeling lonely on Sundays. Um, how are you dealing with that? Or how is, mm-hmm. you know, how are you feeling about that? If Can I add something in there, Anna? Please. Thank you. It reminded me back to the woman I was telling you about who would come over my house all the time. As you were talking about that, it reminded me. She actually said to me the third day we met, she says, I've never had a best friend before. Mm. I've never felt special. Oh, interesting. So that, um, that to me, that was gut-wrenching. And that was like, I, I never thought I'm going to feel that void. But that was loaded. And that mm-hmm. looked like, okay. So that was, yeah. Do you Thank think that's you. where the people-pleasing comes into? Like as she was saying previously that, you know, she's a recovering people-pleaser. But when somebody says to you, I guess that's empath tendencies too, like I'm lonely on Sundays, then I just want to do whatever I can to make you Bring feel not lonely. <laughs> yeah. but, but then that crosses my boundaries of... But does it? Or does it just make you just so sweet? Like if I call you and say, Mel... <laughs> okay so let's actually let's take it back to the cards i know i keep wanting to simplify this into the visual but just to kind of like ground it if you mel you might be somebody and you do like you are a generous person you do like to give uh, a lot of totally. time and and yep. even things physical and emotional and give that to people but you might qualify that in your service compartment mm-hmm. so to speak you have your five cards and your five cards might include more hours or more time Whereas your physical needs might be less yeah. time for yourself. So mm-hmm. it really is an individual determination about what the boundaries look like. My container looks really different from your container. Like if I have to hang out with Susan every Sunday for the rest <laughs> of my life, I can't. You can't. I can't. I think there's a difference between doing things that are nice for people, mm-hmm. giving back, all of that. Because that skills me up different. too. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference between constantly doing, doing, doing. I want to do for you so much because I want you to like me. Mm-hmm. There's mm. where the difference is. That's right. I just want to do for you if you're in need because I adore you and you're my friend. I'm not doing things for you because God I, forbid you hate I, me on I, Sunday I, when I want to come over and come to you. Totally. But wait for the question, right? Maybe this is something we can all start to kind of tune in and witness a little bit. Um, Particularly if you are struggling out there with a relationship where you feel your boundaries have already been crossed, Mm -hmm. or if you're defining it that way, we're now defining it as a needs depletion. Mm -hmm. But if you feel your needs have been depleted or it's not a reciprocal relationship, then start to ask yourself, right? Am I hearing questions or are they really just statements that I'm now fulfilling needs for that maybe the question Mm -hmm. hasn't been asked yet? And the reason I'm setting that tip up or that concept up is because there's a tangible workaround here. As a statement, we're just like, do you want me to come over on Sundays? Do you want me what to send you the troop over? Do you want me to <laughs> mail you dinner? Do you want me to text you 80 times? Like, we're offering a solution when we don't even know that there was even an ask. Hmm, that's right? interesting. Now, yeah. if there is an ask and it's a subtle hint and they are not actually asking and they're just trying to bait you with a statement, let that be their responsibility, not right. yours, to fill what the question is so that 
you get the time to pause. Because if I asked you a question, so if I'm Susan, I am so sorry, Susan, whoever you are. <laughs> Susan, phone in. <laughs> Please phone in and tell us you're offended. Right now. I'll pick an, another name. But if, if you're that person who is lonely on Sundays, if I actually say to you, Mel, can we hang out at five o'clock on Sunday? That's a question. Yes. There's an mm-hmm. actual question mark at the end of it. So now Mel has an opportunity to say, I can get back to you with an answer on that. I have time to pause now because I know what the specific ask is. I have time to go into my container, so to speak, if you want to use this example, take a look and see if I have the time to give or if I have the energy to be in an interpersonal relationship on a Sunday night or any of the things. Take a look at your cards. Instead of assuming that they're asking you something when it could, in fact, just be a statement. Totally. In fact, she could have said, Mel, do you mind texting me at 8 o'clock just to remind me I'm not alone? You might say immediately, I don't need to pause on that. Sure. That's a a really easy ask, and I have time for that, and it feels comfortable for me. But now you know what the ask is. Mm -hmm. So if we wait for the question, put the onus back on that person, right? What is it that you're asking for? So that if you know, as soon as you have the question, you get to say, okay, I will take a look at that. I will see if I have the time. I will check my calendar. Mm -hmm. I will check with my husband. I don't really care what you say. Mm -hmm. You buy yourself a pause so that you can go and take a look and see if you are capable of giving that. I need $5,000. Okay. Thank you for asking. I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to look at what it is that I can help you with or how I can support you with that. I will get back to you. And then you have a pause right. and you allow yourself some grace time to have a look in your container. But if you jump into it, probably would venture to say that the relationship has become codependent because mm-hmm. you haven't, you're just sort of leaping in two feet first without actually thinking mm-hmm. about it. And I think it comes back to that trust thing that you're talking about, yes, trusting that they can ask a question, you know, not assuming that what they're saying is the question, Yeah. right? Trusting that if they really did need you that they would ask you for help right instead of just assuming that they need it yeah and I think we know that what we're talking about here is continuous boundary crossing continuous Mm -hmm. like key opening of containers we're not talking about the one time potentially that somebody asks for something because you may have that one time card to give it may make sense Mm -hmm. to you in that moment in that month in that year I suspect that most people who are listening to this and talking about boundaries and having struggles with boundaries is that it is a consistent, like, infringement, right? Mm -hmm. I need this money today and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. And then there's this kind of guilt spiral that happens. Mm -hmm. If you don't give it to me, then I might be in harm's way. I might be in pain. You are then causing me the pain, right? So again, we have to take a step back and say, no, I'm responsible for my container. You're responsible for yours. And we start to extend that trust outward and we stop making things mean what they are not. We don't know what the future is. We do not know with certainty that that person would suffer without you spending time with them on a Sunday. We don't know that to be true, right? So we don't want to ask ourselves and finding out what is your motivation for doing it as well, I guess, right? I love that. Yeah, because I'm thinking, it's a little bit back, but I'm thinking about, um, I came from a family, my parents got divorced at nine, and I'm thinking to myself, so in the early days, then I did I then seek dysfunctional relationships because that's what I'm used to, and then really wanting to stick with them because the other ones didn't work in my life, so I'm going to make this one work. Okay. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah. So you look at your motivation, right? Yeah. So what's my motivation? Am I here because this is somewhere I want to be or is it because my need to have something like stable Mm. or I don't know. I love that. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. When I started talking about this topic, the boundaries topic, I had actually posted on my Instagram account uh, in my stories that I wanted to know if anybody had any questions around boundaries or anything that we could kind of support them with. I mean, we have literally five coaches right now in the room, which is uh, kind of a lucky draw, I think, for anybody that had questions tonight around boundaries. And I really want to create a little bit of an open floor, open table conversation here um, to respond to some of those questions. So I picked three. Of course, we couldn't answer them all, but thank you for everybody who submitted on my Instagram, which I'll plug right now, at Unapologetic Anna. Thank you very much. (laughs) Don't edit that out. Um, So here, I'm going to start with this one, and I'm just going to put it to the group, and then we can always circle back on our tangible kind of container examples here as well. So the first one is from Nicole, uh, Instagram handle at NewTemp, and her question was, is it possible to eventually train a parent if an adult child consistently uses boundaries. Let's start with Haley. Okay, so let me try and clear, maybe clear it up. So is it possible to, and do you know what? Maybe what we'll do is we'll take out the pronouns here because is it possible to eventually train a parent if an adult child consistently uses boundaries is really just a general question, I think, to say is it possible to eventually train anyone if you are using consistent boundaries? Totally. And I'll I'll give you a little bit of a personal story on that. I'm not an adult child, but I am an adult child of my parents. And (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure what that means. Well, well, just with the question, the adult child thing, training. But anyway, um, so my I feel like sometimes though, like I am still a child, even at 35 years old, with my Mm. parents. So Mm. I fall back on being that kid and not having those boundaries or not even knowing how to use boundaries. And it wasn't until uh, like I started really losing myself that I knew that something needed to change. So I created those boundaries with my family. There was some initial resistance to those boundaries because they, I wasn't the person that they were used to. But eventually they came back and they started really respecting those boundaries. And there was just this mutual uh, respect with, even with their boundaries. Like there was just this more opening up of a communication. But at first there was resistance. Don't get me wrong. And it was really hard because I'm not... I'm not a people pleaser per se, but I'm a conflict avoider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I maybe that's the same thing. I don't really know, but for me, conflict is huge. I, I don't want to. Mm. I don't want to create that. So I, yeah, it was it was interesting creating those boundaries and knowing how to create them and actually doing that, having the guts to do that. It really was kind of easy after I did it. Mm. yeah it was really easy because it just felt like it was from the heart and it was me this is these are my needs this is these are my cards what are yours right Mm -hmm. when you feel like you can step into your power and really Mm -hmm. honor your boundaries right yeah Mm -hmm. Hmm. so probably fair to say too that um there absolutely is a risk if you Mm -hmm. if you have allowed your key and lock to be broken and your container to be emptied over a certain amount of years there is a risk as Ashley even talked about earlier, that you may not be met with the response you're hoping for. And you do have to release the expectation that it's going to be blissful Mm. and really just um, be okay 
with standing in your power and letting it shape how it shapes out. Mm-hmm. And it's friggin' scary. Oh yeah, that it is so mm-hmm. so scary, especially with the people who you love like so mm-hmm. much, like your parents. It's so so scary. Mm-hmm. So to do that, it it takes a like a lot of self reflection and then a lot of self love too. Mm-hmm. Like that, mm-hmm. those boundaries are set because I love myself and I love what I'm doing. I love you know, who I am. Mm-hmm. So I want to set those boundaries. And on the other side of setting those boundaries is a completely different relationship now though. Oh, huge. Yeah. There's so much more respect. Yeah. There's so much more love because of those boundaries. Cause they, we have this like equal exchange. Mm. It's wonderful. Hmm. Ashley, what do you think on this topic? Is it possibly, is it, is it possibly, is it possible to eventually train? I'm going to say kind of in parentheses, anyone um, if somebody is consistently using boundaries, what are your thoughts around that? Well, I think like Haley said, I think when you start to set your boundaries, stand in your power, the people that will deal with it will deal with it and continue to stick with you and, and, you know, abide by those and, and reciprocate with you or they won't. Yeah. And yeah. that just is what it is. When you can learn to just let it go, that's the hardest part. It's, it's the letting it go and, and, being at peace with that, the people that can accept it and the people that can great. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you can't change what people are going to do. No, you really can't. And you can't, I mean, this goes back to the responsibility thing, right? We're hundred percent responsible for our own little containers, but that also means that we can't control the reaction mm-hmm. of other people. And okay. at some point you do have to make a decision when your containers empty, different decisions are being made at that point, right? You could, you will eventually say, I'm kind of numb now, right? I don't have a choice but to just test the reaction, mm-hmm. right? But I don't want you to get to the point where your container's empty. I really don't. I want you to drip those reactions earlier mm-hmm. on so that we don't have to start fresh and buy a mm-hmm. new container and a new lock. Those things are expensive. <laughs> 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 those note cards are expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's great. And I think um, I will add to that before I jump to the next question here that – I do think it's possible that the bound, because I always think the answer is in the question. So Nicole, Mm. I'll say this to you out there who asked the question, is it possible to eventually train a parent if an adult child consistently uses boundaries? My feeling as I read that question, the energy that comes through is uh, there's a sadness in that. It's feeling, you're feeling drained, you're feeling exhausted, you're feeling like you've tried and tried. Um, My advice to you on that is be gentle with yourself. Your boundaries may need to shift or change. I would potentially implore you to um, move forward with this little activity with the container and the cards and really write down what those cards are. And if we have to be very literal about it, then let's be literal. Let's change the process that we're using to assess and to be more introspective. And then ask yourself, is it your goal to train them or to protect yourself? (laughs) And just sit with that for a bit. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Um, Let's move on to our next question. This one is from Tiffany, Tiffany Francis. How do you differentiate between a healthy boundary and avoidance? I freaking love that question. So great. Catherine, can we start with you? That's an interesting question. Yeah. That's long going to be based on your life experience and sort of all the things that happened to you, like what you've made those mean for you. So that's going to be really the exercise that you've suggested to them is really going to be useful laying everything out, what their boundaries are, what they'd like them to be, what fills them up. Because otherwise, I think that's going to be tricky to navigate that at first. Because even the thought of asking that question 
they're already confused by that, right? Not confused, but that's already a conflict. So totally. So yeah. So that's really interesting. Um, I would say just look at the meaning as to why you're doing it. What is the fear? I think I'll look at fear. What is your fear of creating the boundaries? Is maybe fear of not being loved or appreciated or fear of loss of a friendship maybe or mm. a relationship. Oh, yeah. Um, That's really insightful. Or maybe someone who has never actually been honest with who they are ever in their life. And now you're going to come forward as this is actually who I am, not this person I've been pretending to be for 20 years. Mm -hmm. So that can be scary. So it may be thinking to take a lot of time to take some time to decide what that is. And, yeah. And when That's you come fabulous. forward with it too, realize people might take a long time to come around to the changes as well. Mm. Yeah. That's beautiful. Mel, how do you imagine that you would differentiate between a healthy boundary and just avoiding somebody? Oh, this is a sticky one for me. I have been in such a pattern of avoidance in my life for a lot of years. Mm. So I would say in the last year and a half, I've really had to consciously create boundaries around relationships and friendships and working environments. So I don't want to say it's hard to create boundaries. I get to create boundaries around the things that I find important to honor myself and my energy now. I'm trying not to go into avoidance as much as I used to. I still tend to fall back on the avoidance though because mm. for me it's scary. It's scary to set the boundaries, follow through with the boundaries for fear of what people will think. For people out there who are new to boundaries. So do you prefer to avoid then? Is that, I just want to clarify. I used to. Okay. Yes. I didn't, pref did I prefer to avoid or did I just would choose to avoid? Because that was easier okay. for me. Same with what Haley said about being, she tends to avoid conflict. That was my biggest fear is creating conflict within people or mm. myself with somebody else. So I would avoid. Now that I've started creating these boundaries with people, I think it's been harder for them to accept than it has been for me to create the boundaries. Mm -hmm. So to help kind of round out this um, question for you, Tiffany, how do you differentiate between a healthy boundary and avoidance? Um, my gut reaction on this is how are you defining avoidance? What are you making avoidance mean? Um, to me, I hear guilt in that, that avoidance for you feels like a guilty move to not be with somebody or spend time with them or provide them the attention that they're looking for, or potentially even the time and the money they're looking for. I don't know what they're asking of you. Um, but we're making avoidance mean something that potentially it's not. Maybe just sit with that and um, I'll keep thinking on that as well. And if I can uh, circle back to it later after we answer our next question, I will do that. So I hope that was helpful. And our third question we're going to respond to today is from Michelle Jones. And she says, hi, Michelle. Uh, how do you get the boundaries to be respected? <laughs> Short and sweet. <laughs> how do you get the boundaries to be respected? Oh, we've stirred Define some. respect <laughs> first. Define respect, yeah. I would say. Good, thank you. Can you elaborate on that, Kathy? Well, I just don't think when she says, how do I get them to be respected? Unless she knows what that means to her, mm -hmm. she will never know if they are being respected. Oh, Interesting. So or like unless someone... she knows what respect means to other people, too. Yeah, both. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Both okay. Ways. Great. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah. she may also mean by respected uh, people following through or listening to as opposed to yeah. maybe not the actual terminology of the word respect. So I'm not that sure. That was hard. Can you repeat no. the question again? Okay. The question is, um, how do you get the boundaries to be respected? 
I was actually thinking when you read that the second time, for me, I'm thinking, obviously, her boundaries aren't being respected. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then I go into thinking, obviously, it's a struggle, but we cannot control what people are going to do. And if they're choosing not to respect your boundaries, this person isn't acting or being how I need them to be. Mm -hmm. I'm not getting my needs met. How can I get them to respect? Yeah me more and what I'm asking them to do oh, for me because they're not reacting how I need them to react and I cannot control this behavior. And how can I, I meet do- my own needs? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's where I went and it took me a long time to realize we cannot control other people's yeah. reactions or behavior. We can only cre- control ourselves. Just so good. I and might have took that to another place. No, Michelle, is- and if I did, I'm sorry. No, this is <laughs> no you're not. And do you know, yeah, unapologetic. Do you know what? Honestly, I just, uh, I had my little light bulb here as well, of course, because the, the question is, how can I get them to respect me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that means I have to respect me and I have to respect my own boundaries. I have to believe in them so deeply and with such conviction that there would be a very natural and aligned quote unquote, consequence in place, if I personally, am not feeling that sense of respect. I love how with all of us at the table, everybody brings in a different perspective of the question. Mm-hmm. I love I it. I think that's what connects us all so well. Yeah. God, coach team. Yeah. Oh, I really hope this is helpful for, um, obviously for the listeners, but uh, particularly for the three ladies that submitted. Thank you uh, to Tiffany and to Nicole and to Michelle and to all of you out there who are really engaging with this podcast and also engaging with this particular question. I just think it is such a, such a big topic and uh, there isn't one right answer but hopefully we've been able to provide you some tangible grounded uh, concepts and key tips and potentially some solutions and activities Kathy do you have any final thoughts around boundaries before we close out our conversation yes thanks for asking it asking it absolutely do what I was thinking as you guys were talking is that in the last couple of years I have really been setting a lot of boundaries for myself personally and in my business And what I've come across is that there's been instances where I've set certain boundaries and I don't know that they've been heard or perceived in the way that I would like to have delivered them, perhaps. Um, And the person they've been delivered to has has suggested that I may be going through something or that I can't handle something or I must be in some sort of bad place in my life as to why I'm setting boundaries with them. So they haven't heard... Yeah, they haven't heard that I need this. They're thinking, well, because I'm being maybe aggressive, they might say that way with them, that I'm something's wrong with me. So, yeah, so that was oh, okay. interesting. Yeah, so they definitely cost. are not at least seeing it or internalizing it as, as an actual boundary. Mm-hmm. They're seeing it as, like, Kathy's gone nuts. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's a big one. And want to respond by saying that maybe in this conversation around boundaries – we have to also take a look at how attached we are to being liked or potentially risking not being liked. And what do we make as um, five people pleasers sitting around the table here are saying, mm. or four, Haley's looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> Just four people pleasers. <laughs> or five. Conflict of order. How attached are we to being liked or seen 
in the light that we see ourselves in? Can we be okay with knowing and loving ourselves for being unapologetically us, for being authentic, for setting the boundary? Can we be okay with somebody else struggling to like that new version of us, that affection, that appreciation? Do we have the capacity to love ourselves so deeply that the appreciation, the affection, the acknowledgement, the acceptance, all of those core emotional needs can come from within. Mm-hmm. Well, you can add to that too, maybe is self-love, but appreciating where the person is, that it's triggering something in them so they don't maybe love themselves enough. Perfect. So that's that compassion piece that yeah. I think we talk about probably on every episode, <laughs> mm-hmm. but really being able to detach from the outcome, but look at somebody with a certain sense of humanity and compassion and say, you're right. You're exactly right, Kathy. They're probably just being triggered. Maybe they're a little nuts. <laughs> quite possible, quite possible. <laughs> I, think whenever you, I think when you're saying your boundaries to this particular person or whoever it is, and they have to look inward at themselves, that's hard for people. And it they is. get uh-huh. uh, defensive. So there's well, something wrong with you now. I'm 48 years old, and now I finally, like, now I have boundaries. I didn't for the first 45 right. years, yes. right? So it's like, mm-hmm. uh-huh. It's a different thing. And their reaction is something that we can have compassion for. That's the whole wrapping up. 100%. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that, Haley. Well, you guys, this has been probably one of my most favorite conversations. And I feel like we've touched on a lot. I would love if the listeners out there, uh, even if you vehemently disagree or think we're all nuts. Um, I would love to hear your feedback on this episode. And if there's any thoughts or even tips or tricks that you can share around setting a really good boundaries or personal anecdotes you want to share with our listeners, um, put them in the comments and, and in the group, we have an unapologetic connections podcast group on Facebook. You can look us up on our page at Unapologetic Connections Podcast on Facebook and on Instagram and just share with us your general thoughts about uh, definitely this huge big conversation on boundaries, but about all of our conversations and really let us know what you're thinking and what you're feeling. We value you so, so much. And thank you so much just for listening again today. You are our connections. And thank you again to our sponsor, Nude vodka soda. Soda. What happened there? Nude vodka soda. Probably just been drinking too much of them. Uh, But if you are still with us and you've hung in till the end of our podcast, as usual, you are officially connected. Uh, You are one of us. So head on over to unapologeticconnections.com to read more about us and put some names to faces uh, for some of the voices that you're hearing week to week. Do not forget to subscribe, please, and leave us an honest review. Our agency stands for a lot of things, but most of all, real truth and real connections and some pretty unapologetic boundaries. So thank you for connecting with us. Until next week, my friends. Thank you for being here. Bye. Bye. Bye.